Now on Drama on News Talk, a small coastal community reckons with its past, present and uncertain future when confronted with the impacts of climate change. From writer-director Rob Flynn and producer Bjorn MacGilla, this is Changing Coasts. start. Well, my father would get up at half five every morning to milk the cows. That was that. No sick days, barely ever a holiday. Just early starts every day. And my brothers were no help to him. <laughs> You'd be lucky if you caught sight of them by nine. But I was the diligent daughter. Even before I was old enough to be of any help, I was out playing in the yard and keeping them company. I was barely tall enough to reach the pedals when I was driving the tractor around the fields. It was a great childhood we had there. And then, when I finished school, I decided to go and study nursing and thought maybe I'd work abroad for a few years after that. But from day one, I knew I couldn't hack it. Wasn't that the material was too difficult for me or anything? I enjoyed that part of it. I just hated living in the city and miss my family and the farm terribly. I should have known really I was a home bird at heart. And so, anyway, I was back before Christmas and been here ever since. After that, I built this house on the hill across from my parents and split my time between the farm and working part-time in the nursing home. Money was tight, always had been. But they got by. Then they brought in the legislation. And well, it all changed after that. They had put off the agricultural restrictions for so long. No politician wanted to go near it. They knew it was political suicide. And anyway, between plant-based foods and foreign competition, the industry had been shrinking for years. There was a real sense of inevitability about it all. But for the few of us who managed to stick it out until then, there was still a living to be made. Just about. But eventually the time came when they brought forward the legislation which required all livestock farms to put in their own emissions capture procedures. And obviously, only the big industrial producers could afford to invest in that sort of technology. I mean, it was all part of cutting the national herd. And this did it without going out and forcing people off their land. But the result was just the same. When they brought it in, my father was at retirement age anyway. So I took over the farm and did everything I could to try to make ends meet. But without the ECPs, we were just constantly getting hit with huge fines. After a few years, I had to sell the farm. My father wasn't doing well at that point. He'd had a stroke and was in the nursing home. It was awful. But to some degree, it was a relief, knowing that he never saw the farm go. Four generations of Sullivans. 
and I wasn't able to keep it. So I sold the land to developers, and for a few years after that, it was just noise and dust and drilling. Eventually, my view of the seafront was completely blocked by the houses. But once they were done and young families moved in there, things were a lot better for a while. Breathed life back into the place. But they never should have built there to begin with. They must have known. They must have known that within 20 years, those houses would be worthless. The flooding and erosion just kept getting worse. And all those young families started moving away. And now I've been living across from that ghost estate for I don't know how many years. And to top it all off now, I'm told I have to leave as well. <clears throat> I'm afraid so. Thank you for sharing that, Maura. You've seen a lot of change around here. I think we have everything we need. Uh, just one last question, Maura, if you don't mind. Yes? How do you feel about having to move? What do you mean? Well, I don't want to assume anything, and it's sad, of course it is, but is it also something of relief to know that you won't be living across from that ghost estate for much longer? A relief? No. No. There's no relief in that. Even after losing the farm, this will still always be my family land. Okay, that's perfect. Watching so... the flooding getting worse every year. The fields being slowly eroded. It's been heartbreaking. But do you really think moving to some house inland will solve my problems? I'll always know what was lost here. I'll know that my grandnieces and nephews won't be able to visit their family's home place. There won't be anything left for them to see. Right, yeah, that's that's understandable. Yeah, I was just... I've been here for a long time. Seen a lot of change in my life. I had made peace with it. But now at my age, I'm being forced out of the home I've lived in for 50 years. To be moved to a town that I don't know. I'm sorry. To a house I don't know. I'll have no connection to that place. So no. Relief is not the word I would have chosen. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your time, Maura. We appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Well, I hope it'll be of use to someone. It will be. Thank you. Hmm. Right, so. Right, I'll just uh, put this equipment in the car. <laughs> Thanks for having us more. Bye now. Apologies for any offence caused by my colleague. He's a new member of the team and he's a wee bit over-enthusiastic. Thanks again for your contribution. Thank you. Yes, we'll get out of your way. Bye-bye. Are you a total Egypt, Connor? What? What were you thinking? What do you mean, at the end there? That was one of the questions on our list, wasn't it? 
Who cares about the list? You're not obligated to ask them. We just have to have a quick chat with these people. That's all that's required. We're not here to upset old women in their homes. I'm sorry, Alice. I feel bad that she got upset, but we're not just here for a quick chat. The whole point of this is to document people's experiences. Now, if we just ask them easy questions all the time, then, then how are we going to paint an honest picture of how they actually feel about moving? We already know how they feel about moving. How would you feel? You know what I mean. Well, I can tell you, she's not feeling any better after that conversation. Look, I don't know what you want me to say. I wish there was another way, but... Hold on. Hello. Yes, Mr. McGuire. We're just coming over to you now. Okay. Yes, that's not a problem. We can meet you there. Bye-bye. <sighs> Our next participant has decided we should meet him at the beach. At least that's just down the road. We can walk there. I don't know. I just don't think it's fair to say we can't ask tough questions. This is important research we're collecting and... Oh, give it a rest, Connor. What? You've got the job. You can cut the interview spiel. I'm sure you're very committed to the scheme. Preserving the stories of this coastal community so sadly displaced by sea level rise. It's incredibly important to you, is it? It, it is. I take this job seriously, don't you? Oh, very seriously. Look, I've been at this a lot longer than you. I don't mean to seem condescending, but that is just a fact. You need to understand, all this, this is just a box-ticking exercise. After we finish up here, these interviews are just going to be archived and filed away. And if you think, with the way things are going, that in 50 or 100 years' time, someone will be interested in that old woman's story, you're fooling yourself. We just need to go in there, have a friendly conversation, and try not to ruffle any feathers. No one is going to be listening to these. And God knows, these people are going through enough as it is. If that's how you feel, why are you even doing this? We all have bills to pay, Connor. Hello. Hello. That's our man. Hello. Hi there. Uh, thanks for meeting me here. Uh, I hope it wasn't too much hassle for you. Not at all. I was just out for my morning walk and I thought to myself, do you know what? Where could be a better place for us to have our interview than right here? <laughs> Mr. Maguire, is that right? Uh, please call me Paul. Nice to meet you, Paul. Uh -huh. Hi, Paul. Thanks for taking Hi. the time to speak with us. My name is Alice. This is my colleague, Connor. Thank you so Would much, Would you mind Paul. if we go straight into it? We just have a few questions, so we try not to keep you too long. Of course. Take as long as you like. And we're recording. This is Alice Hughes, Senior Researcher for Changing Coasts with Assistant Researcher Connor Billich-Casey. The date is July 10th, 2083. We're speaking with Paul Maguire. Paul, could you start by telling us a bit about yourself and your history with the area? Well, my family go back a long time here. They would have been fishermen back in the day, but I moved the business more into tourism, doing day trips on the boat, out to the island, that, that sort of thing. Okay, and has the sea level rise affected your business? Oh, it most certainly has. Over the years, it became more and more difficult to use the old harbour. And it just wasn't busy enough to get the funding to raise it. So, people eventually started using the port in the next town over. But there were tour operators already there. We weren't able to re-establish ourselves. So I sold the old boat after that. 
and I bought a small one that is easier to manage in the shallow water. I, I do still take the odd group out, you know, um, but it'd be mostly disaster tourists, oh. you know, wanting to see abandoned places along the coast. So are you still able to make a living from that? Ah, I get by. Not living extravagantly now. And to be honest, I wouldn't be able to manage it if I got much busier, since it's just myself operating the business. And I'm not as fit as I used to be. <laughs> but what is your family situation like, if, if you don't mind me asking? Not at all. Uh, my wife passed away six years ago in September. And my children are all away, so it's just me here now. Sorry to hear about your wife. So, your children didn't get into the family business? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They wouldn't have an interest in it. It's for the best anyway, you know. They're both getting on grand now. And I'm a very proud dad. My daughter Rose lives in Dublin. And my son Luke is in Shanghai. You're probably around the same age as Luke, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I haven't made it as far as China yet. <laughs> I'm still living at home, actually. Ah. Well, I'm sure your parents are delighted to still have you around. I, I suppose so. Uh, it's, it's just me and my dad. Uh, my mum died when I was young. And he has problems with his health, so, you know, I try to help around the house. <laughs> Not much chance of me moving out since it's just the two of us, you know. Sorry to hear that. I hope your father's doing better soon. Thanks. <clears throat> uh, anyway, uh, sorry, uh, we were talking about your kids. <laughs> oh, yes, well, it would be lovely to have them around, of course, especially as the town got quieter over the years. It does get a bit lonely at times. Mm. But sure, I keep myself busy between the tours and the historical society. <laughs> Plenty of work with that at the moment. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Your work with the historical society? You've been trying to preserve local artefacts, is that right? That's right, yeah. It was very informal at first. Just something to pass the evenings, you know. But uh, lately it's become a race against time. We've been doing our best to preserve as much local history as possible. You know, saving physical objects and structures where we can. Or else just documenting things that can't be preserved. Oh, it's been a huge undertaking. Of course, we all know that no matter how hard we try... There are some things we will lose to time as things get worse. Which is why I was so pleased to hear about the work you're doing and getting a picture of people's lives before this all changes even more. Yes, it's why we do what we do, Paul. And, and, and it's thanks to residents such as yourself that this heritage will be there for, for future generations. Thank you, Connor. Very kind of you. I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> so, given your knowledge of the area, Paul, um, could you tell us about some of the places of local significance? Well, that's a good question. There's so many to choose from. Actually, where we're standing is a good place to start. Obviously, this beach here is more or less gone. It used to stretch all the way along the coast. It's just a spit of it now. And if you, if you turn towards the south, you can see there... One of the more dramatic sites in the area, McNeil's Hotel and Golf Course, which is actually the first business in the town to close. Those great views didn't do it any favours in the long term. And nowadays, I say to people visiting the town, if you want to play the 18 holes, you best pack your swimming trunks. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll know that for the next time. Did the hotel's closure have an impact on the local economy? 
No, it did. It did indeed, yeah. It was a huge blow to the town. Economically, of course, but also... We all had so many happy memories there. You know, it was where Aoife and I had our wedding reception. There was some crack that night. And, and Tommy, who ran the place, he gave us a big discount because he knew how badly the boats were doing at the time. He had no idea what that meant to us. And then if you look at it now, empty. Ugh. I just have one question here I'd like to ask. How do you feel about having to move? Are you, are you sad about it? I mean, obviously I'm sure you're sad about it. Uh, just that I imagine it's hard to think about saying goodbye. Well, if I... you'd rather not answer no, that, no, no, it's you... fine. Actually, it's fine, fine, fine. And I'd rather nobody from the town hear this, but but I'm looking forward to it. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, I hadn't thought about it in those terms before, but with Eva gone and the kids living away, it just hasn't been the same. I mean, I threw myself into the work to give myself something to do, and you know, it's been great, really. I, I've learned so much. It went from a hobby to almost a full-time job so quickly. There's been such an urgency to all the work, and I'm surrounded by all this history and these memories. So knowing... knowing that I won't have to be doing it much longer, it's like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. I feel guilty even saying that, when I know that our work here will be left unfinished. The idea of having a life outside of this, maybe being able to move on, it, it has an appeal to it. Yeah, that's completely understandable. I mean, I think I'd feel the same in your situation. So you don't have any reservations about being relocated? No, not really. I mean, this place has been my home and my livelihood my whole life. Like, my earliest memories were of watching seals from my parents' boat. Their dark heads bobbing above the water and vanishing. It's given me so... so much. But I can't look at it the same way now. Our house was hit badly by the recent floods. And... It just hasn't been the same, you know. Lost a lot in that. Things that can't be replaced. So, <clears throat> the sooner the better, I say. Thanks so much for your honesty, Paul. I think we'll finish up there. Oh, that was quick. Uh, are, are you sure you got enough there? There's, there's plenty more I could tell you about the area. I, I was a tour operator after all. <laughs> no, that's plenty. We don't want to take up too much of your time. Do you want us to give you a lift? We're parked down the road. Uh, no, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll make my own way home shortly. Thanks. Well, uh, thanks so much, Paul. Uh, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye now. He was a great talker, wasn't he? Really interesting. I was wondering, though, why'd you cut the interview short? It seemed like you want to talk for longer. Check your watch, Connor. Lunchtime.
anything else? Nope, that's everything. Thank you. Enjoy. Oh, I'm starving. <laughs> Look, sorry about earlier with Maura. Maybe I was being too pushy. Well, your approach worked better with Paul. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was really great. Yep. It's great to see locals doing preservation work too. Mm-hmm. You know, if everyone pitched in like that, it makes such a difference. It's so important. And all the stuff he was saying about tourism and the hotels was just... Connor, uh. I'm just going to stop you there. We're going to take a wee break from talking about work. There'd be plenty of time for that later. And right now, I just want to eat my lunch. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Hey, hey, you're the ones interviewing people. Yes. No. I thought so. Uh, what can we help you with? Uh, are we booked in to speak with you? <laughs> are you joking? I, uh, no. What gives you the right to come to our town? Like, we're animals in the zoo. No, I'm sorry, we're not trying to... You know, send... Joe there's ran this place for 20 years. Probably longer than you've been alive, boy. He's been through good times and bad times like we all have. The past few years, it's been pretty bad. But Joe has always... Always been here for the people of this town. Now he has to close next week. Because of you. Oh, we're not involved with the relocations. We're just here to talk. Here to make us feel better, is that it? Well, I for one am not going to be relocated. Well, I, I don't think they'll allow you to stay. The policy is that everyone... I'm not asking anyone's permission. It's my house. I'm not going anywhere till the sea's at my door. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Look, I... And you know that this is only happening because the government would rather put money into the Dublin sea walls than have a go to waste out here. <laughs> have to protect those Docklands, right? <sighs> but us out here, who cares if we... You're right. You're completely right. Sorry I didn't get your name. Frank. Hi, Frank. My name is Alice. This is Connor. Frank, I have absolutely no desire to come to your town and talk down to you. You've already been through a lot. And I'm not going to tell you that moving to some temporary housing inland is going to make things any better. I'm not here to do any of that. You sure about that? Frank, before this, I worked as an arts officer. I loved that job. I got to work with the community every day and promote projects I felt had a real positive impact. I wasn't changing the world or anything, but I was playing my part, and I made some great friends working there. But, with all the cuts a few years ago, the department was scaled back, and I was reassigned to the climate action team to do this. Which does not mean I like it or approve of it, but it's a steady job, and I have to make ends meet like everyone else. I'm sure you know that as well as anyone, Frank, how hard that can be these days. I'm not going to leave. I can't. What's going to happen to us? I don't know. I'm not going to stand here and tell you everything's going to be fine. All I can do is ask a few questions and who knows, 
Maybe the answers might help someone. And if they don't, at least I was able to pay my bills. But it's just not right. No, it's not. It's as long as you don't come knocking on my door. I don't want to talk. Of course. Connor will make a note of that. Good. Oh, that was impressive. What was? The way you talked him down. <sighs> Thought he was going to drag us out of here. <laughs> Look, the most important part of this job is being able to read people. And I find honesty is the best policy in situations like that. Hmm. Uh, it, is that how you really feel? I wasn't lying to him. I told you earlier, sure. Oh, Okay. I just thought you were saying that because it's my first day. You really don't see any value in this. All I would say is that if I was being put out of my home, I'd be just as angry as him. There's more important things we could be doing with our time than this. Well, maybe, but this is worthwhile. Like, whether we like it or not, there's no way we can save every house along the coast. Nobody wants this to happen, but at least we can, we can tell their stories. <laughs> I don't know why you're wasting your time here, Connor. With conviction like that, you could be a government spokesperson. Well, in this case, I don't think they're wrong. Look, I've been part of this climate action department for eight years and spent nearly 30 years in my job before that. I've seen organisations with the means to do something fail to act. So, what we're doing here, in the scheme of things, it's not for us to solve. And where's that attitude going to get us? We need to focus on what's ahead of us. Best not to think about that too much. And things are changing. Europe hit net zero two years ago, and the other big emitters are nearly there. Yes, it was a lot later than it should have been, but... Connor, your optimism is an inspiration. But if you're not going to let me eat my lunch in peace, let's just go to the next interview. All going well. We'll be able to finish up early. <sighs> You're listening to Drama on News Talk. This is Changing Coasts. <coughs> and we're recording. This is Alice Hughes, Senior Researcher for Changing Coasts, with Assistant Researcher Connor Billich Casey. The date is July 10th, 2083, and we're speaking with Priya Dada and her lovely daughter. Sarita. Nice to meet you, Sarita. Sorry, she's very excited. We don't get visitors very often, and she loves new places. Uh, that's no problem at all. Hi, Sarita. Calm down, Shauna. <laughs> so, could you start by telling us a bit about yourself, Priya? You're from India originally, is that right? Yes, that's right, from Kolkata. I lived there my whole life until three years ago when my husband Ravi, Sarita and I moved to Ireland. Uh, would you mind talking about your reasons for moving? Obviously, we're all aware of the climate impacts over there. Did that play a part in your decision? 
it did, yes. For so long, it has seemed like we just go back and forth between floods and heat waves. The economy has really suffered. So we were not able to get good work there. And of course, there are so many climate refugees from rural areas. The situation is quite unstable. Yeah. And given your experience, um, what were your thoughts about the situation here when you moved? <laughs> well, we say to our friends that the Irish are famous for overreacting to the weather. <laughs> if it's sunny, it's a heat wave. Yeah. If it's snowing, it is a blizzard. <laughs> but I have seen real heat waves. They, they're really terrible. Of course. We don't want to bring up difficult memories for you, so Priya, if you'd rather not talk about that. Careful. I I'm sorry, I'll just be a minute. No, 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 take your time. Would you like to watch Race with Is that okay for the recording? It's fine. Have you ever been to India? Yes, a few times. Really? What was it like? Good. Hot. Noisy. Lovely food. Wow. <laughs> I saw quite a lot of the country. We even went to the Himalayas for a few weeks. That was incredible. Cool. Very cool. I used to love Racehorse Rodney when I was that age. Racehorse Rodney, he's the best. No matter the challenge, he's up to the test. Just call his name and hit... Oh, thank God. <laughs> so sorry to keep you waiting. It's fine. So, um, where were we? Uh, you were telling us about moving here and the heat waves back in India. Mm -hmm. with, with the focus of our research, it's really valuable to hear about that. You know, how people are affected in other countries as well. I don't want to diminish the challenges people are facing here, but what we're dealing with is a drop in the ocean by comparison. <laughs> oh my God, I mean, if you'll pardon the pun, sorry. <clears throat> Could you tell us a bit about living here, moving to this community? Yes, of course. Uh, it has been very positive. Even though we have not been here very long, we really have felt at home. And everyone has been so kind to us. We thought maybe people would be angry that we moved in for the low rent, but everyone has been very understanding. Um, you knew that you'd have to move before you came here. Had it already been designated an SRA, a scheduled relocation area, before you moved? Yes. When we first arrived, we stayed with Ravi's brother in Belfast for a few months. Then when I got my job in the BCI lab, we wanted to move somewhere close by. This town was not far away, and because of the evacuation plans, we realized it would be much cheaper to live here than in a town 20 kilometers away. Okay, but as an SRA, there aren't supposed to be any new leases or property sales in the area. Were you aware of that? I will note, of course, that anything you say in this interview can't be used as evidence in legal proceedings, so this won't affect your residency rights. I understand. Yes, we are aware. We had heard there were problems before in other places, 
where people moved to these areas before the relocation started. Yeah, that's right. It ended up causing a lot of issues with the housing lists. Who was eligible and who wasn't, that sort of thing. So they restricted renting in towns like this. Exactly. And given that, would you mind telling us how you came to rent this property? Well, although they try to discourage people, there are loopholes. As long as you don't cause any trouble, it's easier for them not to do anything. And most local people are happy to see new faces in the area because so many have already left. I see. But in that case, because you didn't live here before the SRA designation, you won't be eligible to receive housing assistance. But you will still have to leave. Is that going to put you in a difficult position? It will, yes. We knew we would not receive assistance, but we hoped we'd be here long enough to build up our savings. Maybe even enough for a house deposit. Before we moved, we were told it would be five or ten years before the relocation started. But we have only been here for three years. Now we don't know what to do. I don't know how we could afford somewhere else. Maybe if we moved far from here, but I have my work and... Sadita has a place in the local school. There just doesn't seem to be any other option for us. I'm sorry to hear that. This is a very difficult situation. I wish there was something we could do for you. Well, maybe you could talk to someone for us to see if anything could be done, please. I'm afraid we can't influence the decisions of other departments. I'm sorry. I wish we could help, but we're just here to document. But you must know someone who might be able to help. If there was anything you could do, anything at all, please. I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Alice? I'm afraid not. Look, we are both working good jobs. You have to understand we are doing all we can, but we don't know what to do. I really am sorry. We're, we're not involved with housing. We're just here to speak with people and share their stories. Please, all we want is somewhere to stay. I'm sorry. I, you have to help us. Please try to understand. We can't. Please, please. I... Sorry. Connor, what are you doing? I just, I need some air. Connor! <sighs> I'm so sorry about this, Priya. I think we'll have to leave it there. Thank you for your time, and again, I'm sorry for the disruption. It's fine. Is he going to be okay? Yes, don't worry about him. He's fine, I'm sure. I didn't mean to upset him. I'm sorry we can't be of more help to you. Maybe you could try some of your neighbours... They may have some advice. I know this isn't easy. But all I can say is that you're not alone in this. You never know who might be able to help you. Thank you. I will ask them. Good luck. Get in the car. Just give me a minute. For what? God, that was so unprofessional. Does it not bother you? Hearing what they're going through? What we expecting, Connor? We're not here because things are going well. I, I don't know. Just, just hearing it 
firsthand, it, it was different. Well, losing the run of yourself like that is not going to help anyone. <laughs> and are you helping them? Excuse me? Uh, as long as you can tick them off your list. That's all that matters, right, Alice? <laughs> sure. You have it all figured out. You're like... You act like you've got things so bad, like it's some burden to be here. But you've got a good job, a good life. You're sorted. Whatever happens to them doesn't affect you, so why even bother? Do you even give them another thought when you go home? You don't know me, Connor. Now get yeah. in the car. You know, I-, I count myself lucky with what I have. Even my dad's condition. Paisley being his carer since I was 15. No friends, no social life, no big plans for the future. Because I knew there was always someone out there who had it worse. If people like you had tried harder, we probably wouldn't even have to do this job. Oh, I did try. At your age, I was out protesting every week. Marches, civil disobedience, getting arrested, the whole thing. Sure. I don't care if you don't believe me. But I learnt the hard way. That all that effort and worry only gets you so far. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Look, I'm not naive. But I think making sure people don't forget what's being lost here, that will help. You know where I was able to help? In my old job. That was where I could make a difference. I had given up on changing the world or starting a revolution, but working with the community, letting kids express themselves creatively, kids that otherwise would have had nothing else to do, nowhere else to go. And then, years later, seeing some of the same kids making a name for themselves, you've no idea. I put my heart and soul into that work. And after all that, where did I end up? Standing here with this microphone, listening to people I can't help. And as much as you want to, neither can you. It's it's like... It's like purgatory. Their lives are always changing, but not for the better. But for us... Every day is exactly the same. Where are you going? Back inside. No, you're not. But we still haven't finished the interview. Yes, we have. You made sure of that. I'm bringing you back to the office. I for the last time, get in the car. Are you going to be okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Look, we've got a job to do here. And you won't help anyone by taking on their problems. You need to be able to step back from it. Otherwise, you're just going to make yourself miserable. I know. I don't think you do. And you're going to have to learn that quickly. You seem like a particularly... sensitive soul. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we just... I just really want to do this right. Like, commit to it. Make sure their stories are heard, because... if we don't, who will? I, um... I realised a couple of years ago that I don't really remember my mum. I mean, I have memories of her, but... she died when I was five, so I guess I only have this sort of two-dimensional picture of her. As I grew up, I realised that I'm 
ever really knew her like, like, like as a person. And then there was this, this other wave of grief with that realisation, you know, that I'd somehow missed out on that. Oh, uh, anyway, oh, I shouldn't be banging on about this, bringing my baggage into it. It's got nothing to do with that. I guess I just wanted to do a good job. I thought I knew what that meant. You know, get to know these people, connect with them, but also ask tough questions. But with Priya in there, I mean, I had no idea what to do. And I didn't have any answers. And worse, I felt complicit or something. Oh, I don't know. It just, it just got to me. It gets to me too sometimes. Did you ever talk to your dad about her? Not much. He um, finds it difficult. He always tries to put a positive spin on things. I think he wants me to remember, like, when I was a kid, just that untarnished image. The more he talks about her, I think he worries he'll dilute that. I can understand that. It can be hard when you're close to something to open up about it. If you look the other way, just live your life and try not to let it get you. That can be easier. But then it can get to the point where just acknowledging it at all can feel impossible. Yeah. I mean, I don't hold it against him. I just wish he felt he could open up at me, you know? Anyway, let's just, let's just go. Connor. No, I'm sorry for today. It won't happen again. Just give me a second chance. I've been a total idiot. Don't be too hard on yourself. Well, you're the one who called me that earlier. Oh, no, I stand by that. You made quite the show yourself today. But we all make mistakes fighting our feet. <laughs> Thanks. And may not have been entirely wrong. Maybe I could commit more to this. Maybe if we meet somewhere in the middle? Maybe. Quite a bit closer to me, though, I would think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and after a while, maybe I won't be a total idiot. <laughs> well, we can live in hope. Thanks, Alice. Just if you could do your best not to storm out in a panic tomorrow, that would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> Because if you think for one moment that I'm going to start mummying you... Oh, don't worry. I wouldn't be expecting that. Well, good. See, maybe you're not a total idiot after all. Changing Coast was written and directed by Rob Flynn and produced by Bjorn McGilla. It was performed by Kwaku Fortune, Geraldine McAlinden, Maria McDermott-Rowe, Paul Murphy, Brian Mulvey and Alicia Joe. Sound recording was by Stephen McHale, original music by Emer Landers and editing by Rob Flynn. This is a Bearprint Media production funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.
For more drama on News Talk, visit Newstalk.com.